Welcome to Keeping It Real's podcast, where we believe in real hope, real love, and a real God. We pray that this message encourages you and builds your faith. He says, what is God's good to us? I want to welcome you out to Keeping It Real Ministries. If this is your first time, we're really glad that you're here. Someone told you about Keeping It Real and invited you, and so you're here now. Hallelujah, this is us. If you come on a Wednesday night at 7.30, guess what you'll see? Us. The powerful thing about our ministry is that we really believe that God shows up. Not only do we believe it, but he does. He begins to work and walk in the midst of us and begins to minister to the hearts and the minds of people. And I think anytime we come to church, if somebody, if a church calls itself a church, when we go there, we should experience God. How many believe that? We should, we should encounter him. You, we should, we, something should happen. If we're living for Jesus, if we're living for him, we are a miracle people, and miracles should be happening in our life. We believe that. You know, we should be changed and transformed, you know, and, and not stuck in a rut. You know, like God's always working in us and moving us forward. And, and this is what, to us, this is what salvation is all about. This is what being a Christian is all about. So uh, we would like to invite you out Wednesday uh, 7.30 every Wednesday we have our midweek service and we pray a lot in that service and we pray for people to get the Holy Spirit. We pray for sickness and deliverance, man, and it's just intimate. It's personal. So I want to encourage you during the midweek, man, just come on out and believe God and, and the food's always good afterwards. You know, that's always a good time. So thank God for his grace. Why don't you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, verse 4. Luke chapter 8, verse 4. Everybody here got a Bible because you, you got a smartphone. On your smartphone, there's something called Bible.com. Or if you just put the text in, Luke 8, 4, you, don't, you might want to open the Bible because I might be over here preaching my own thing. That would be trippy, wouldn't it? Open, the book to Re, open, the, open your Bible to Reggie 1, 1. See what that says. Hallelujah. I like this message that I, I want to preach, and I... I it's so important. It's a truth in life. I want to talk about the sower. You know, in the kingdom of God, and I just want to go off a little bit before we get there while you guys find the page. Oh, man, I like this. Where people are flipping the Bible pages. Glory to God. Luke chapter 8. And you can also open the type table of contents. That's okay, too. And find the book of Luke. Matt, if you look in the Gospels, the New Testament, it's the third book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to look in chapter 8. And I got some other scriptures, and so seeing how I see I'm blessed by the fact that you're looking, I'm going to take my time with these scriptures because the Word of God is what changes us. The Word of God is what transforms us. The Word of God is direction we're supposed to go. We're supposed to read this. It's spiritual. It's, it's the Spirit of God himself on pages. Hallelujah. So just hold that. We'll, we'll read it. But I wanna, I'm going to go off track a little bit in order to set the stage for what I'm getting ready to say because I'm really fascinated. I really love the, the, the kingdom of God. You know, when I say the kingdom of God, you know, like I said, Jesus says the kingdom of God is not here or there. He says it's within you. Now, he meant that. 
it was literal. You know, there's going to be a time when there's a physical kingdom, but for the most part right now, the kingdom of God is within us. It's there that Jesus sits on the throne. This is where he wants to sit and on the throne of our heart. He wants to call the shots. He wants to be the center of our lives. And, and so, and then there's also, like I so said, just us as a church, as we gather together in churches throughout the world, that, you know, like so we are under God's rule. We have submitted ourselves and yielded ourselves to his authority. We begin to follow his instructions and, and live according to the way that he would want us to live. And, and there's this, this preacher, you know, before Jesus came on the scene, there was a preacher named John the Baptist. And when John began to preach, he was commanded to preach, he was given the mission to announce, and his, 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 the preaching was, the kingdom of God has arrived. It is, it is now before us. You, like I said, and what happens when, when this message is being preached, you know, that the kingdom of God has arrived, or, or let me bring it up to date to make it really relate to you, that when you hear the gospel, Say, say if you wanted to kill yourself because your life sucked and things was going bad for you and your fifth boyfriend took advantage of you and used you and kicked you to the curb for someone else and, and you figure life is over and there's no reason to live and then all out of the blue, some way, somehow, someone tells you about how, much, how important you are to God and how God loves you and wants to forgive you and wants you to be his child. Well, now you've heard the gospel, the kingdom of God has arrived, and before you didn't have any options and any hope, but now you do. When you hear about Christ, when you hear about the kingdom being announced, uh, every, all of a sudden, everything about your life is changed. You have different options and different choices. And this is what we preach, you know. This is why it's important that we, you know, we tell people about Christ. And the message is very simply that the kingdom of God has arrived. What's beautiful about the kingdom, what's beautiful about it, and I just want to read in, in, in the text that we're going to read, listen to this. It says, it says, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Roll with me a little bit. He said, unto you, the people of the kingdom of God, his church, his body, his children, he says, unto you it is given to know the mysteries. It's like Jesus says, I want you to know. It is your privilege. It is your inheritance. It is part of your walk with God, your relation with, relationship with God, that you would have a clue that you would know what's up or you would be spiritually woke. How about that? That's a good one. You know, that God didn't, wouldn't want us to be ignorant. He wouldn't want us to be in a place of not knowing. And you know that the scripture tells us very clearly that the truth, if we will know the truth, the truth will make us free. And so God wants us to know truth. He wants us to understand what life is about. He wants to give us some keys. He wants to give us some clues. He wants to lay some heavy things on us. And this is the privilege of being part of the kingdom of God is that we know what's up in life and what's important. Are you with me? Can you handle that right now? This is what God wants to do for each and every one of us. Ephesians, just roll with me with another scripture. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 to 9, it talks about, it says, Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good, good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself. Once again, God wants us to know to the mysteries. The word mystery means previously, you know, hidden. We didn't know before, but God says, now you do. Why? Because you're part of the kingdom of God. God says, I want you to know what is up. 
I want you to have some insight, some discernment. I don't want you to be bubble-headed. I don't want you to be stupid. I don't want you to, 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 to be ignorant. I want you to know. And because you are a child of God, God says, I'm going to lay some things on you. I'm going to open your mind. I'm going to speak to your heart so that you do not have to keep getting knocked back and fro and to and be stepped over and you miss out and, and your life. He's got to say, I don't want that to happen. I'm going to show you some things. Listen to this. This is the best part, man. I love this scripture. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 19. Every one of these you guys can read at home for your homework, but listen to this. And this is the Apostle Paul writing about, and he says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. That just rattles my cage, man. That God wants us to get deep. He wants us to know. He wants us to be woke. He wants us to have a clue. He wants us to understand relationships and families, man, and, and every mystery, everything that would confuse us. God says, I want you to know. Because if we know, our lives can be that much better. We can make better choices, better decisions. You know what I mean? We won't be ripped off so easily in this life. And this is why... Jesus, this is why church is important. This is why the kingdom of God is important. This is why it's important for you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ this afternoon. So now I'll get to my message. I'm just setting that up. In Luke, I say Luke chapter 8, verse 4. I believe God's going to help us. Luke chapter 8. Got your finger on it? Chapter 8, verse 4. And when a great multitude had gathered, and they come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. He said, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on a rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried. He says, he who have ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 9, then his disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? And he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out, out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. 
but the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and a good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Now, to keep in mind, this is Jesus, God in the flesh, the living word, laying some he a heavy mystery some truth upon his disciples. And you and I today, we just read it, and God is also laying that on us about how he works in the kingdom. He's making it very plain. He, say, he gives an illustration. He gives a story because the people of Israel, they understand farming. These are farms. This is how they live. This is what they do more than anything else. They're either fishing or they're farming. They weren't sailors. They weren't known for their hunting skills. They were known for fishing. And for farming, that all the community, the, the entire nation, this is how they ate. This is how it worked. This is how it went down. They were shepherds. They were fishermen. And they were farmers. And he's using an illustration to make it very plain about how the kingdom of God works, how God works in a person's life. And he says this. He begins, he says, a sower went out to sow. He said, so the sower went out to sow seed, and, and this, this, this sower, he sowed seed indiscriminately, which doesn't make any sense. When you're sowing seed, you're sowing it, like I said, I don't if any of you guys plant stuff in your yard, but, or whatever, but if you roll, I know we're all L.A. County people, and you may, you may not, you know, but people do get into it. You want to plant in the best soil. You're fertilizing it. You want the best sunlight. You want the best water. You know, you want, you want the best place. If you're going to plant something, you want your flowers to grow. You want your plants to grow. You want your weed to grow. You want your stuff to grow. <clears throat> okay, yeah, there we got your attention now, didn't I? Yeah. You want it to grow. This sower is different. He's not sowing like you and I would sow. He is sowing indiscriminately. He's sowing here. He's sowing there. He doesn't care. He's just throwing his seeds out. He's not like you and I because the scripture says it is God himself who is sowing. He's the one who's planting. And all that God wants today and what he's always looking for is fruit. He doesn't care where the fruit comes from. He, he gives everybody a shot, everybody an opportunity, and he is sowing this seed the way he's sowing seed this afternoon, the way he sows seed all the time. Jesus says the seed is the word of God. And, it's, and he's just sowing it, man. And if it's rocky soil, then he's throwing it on the rocky soil. If it's good soil, he's throwing it there. If it's shallow soil, he's just throwing seed out. 
Because he wants a harvest. He's looking for something to grow. Every good thing about God, God wants to share. And he wants to share with you. He wants to share with me. And the way he does it is by sowing. He spreads his truth. Uh, he spreads his revelation and understanding and wisdom. He gives us words that we can apply to our heart and we can live by. Word that we can build our families on. He gives us truth uh, that the world doesn't have a clue about. This is the seed that he is sowing today, and he doesn't care. He's not being picky about who he speaks to. He's speaking to everybody. Are you with me? It's not like God likes you more than he likes me. It's not like he likes this race better than he likes another race. No, 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 no. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but all would come to repentance. And for that reason, he just throws it out there. He just throws his truth. He throws his grace. He throws his mercy. He throws out his love. He's very indiscriminate about it. He's not trying to play favorites. He's not holding back. And everybody has the same opportunity to be blessed. Every one of us has the same opportunity for our lives to be touched and changed. We can be greater and better than we were ever before if we would just allow the seed to take root in our hearts and in our lives. He is no ordinary sower. This is the Holy Spirit, and this is how he operates. So he sows. Plain and simple, the word, the seed is the word of God. You know, every service, every time you hear the word, read the word. Seeds are being planted in your life. What trips me out? You know, we got some people in our church. Recently, we went through a few things. And as we went through these things, it just trips me out. Some got knocked out, knocked over, left, but it trips me out who rose to the top and stepped up to the plate. It, 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 you, know, you know, there's people keeping it around. We keep it around. We've been around for a while, not, you know, hundreds of years like some denominations, you know, but we've been around a little bit. And do you know there's people, what trips me out as a pastor, there's people that come to our church and I mean, they had been in our church for 10, 12, 13 years. But only recently, recently watched them grow, watched them mature, watched them step up, watched them enter into what God has for their life. Me as a pastor seeing this type of thing. Seeds were planted years ago. They gave their life to Christ years ago. But it took time for that seed. And there's something powerful about seed. Once it's planted, it is, it's going to grow. It's supposed to grow. Can you, are you with me? When God speaks something, man, when God says something. And so I want you to understand, every time you read the word of God, every time you come to a church service, a men's function, a women's function, seeds are being planted in your life. God is making an investment. God is trying to get something out of you. And he, it's, it's not for to be used or to be taken advantage of, but God is giving you something, and he wants a harvest back. Every time in the seed, there is potential and the power of life in a seed. I read somewhere... They, like, you know, in, uh, they, in an Egyptian tomb, they had found some seeds that was planted alongside, or was not planted, but was there with this mummy. And they took the seeds out. The seeds are like 2,000 years old. 
They planted the seeds and the seeds grew. 2,000-year-old seeds, that's, that's, that's a trip. In the seed, there is potential in the power of life. There is change and enlargement, man. There's opportunity in the seed. And this is what God, God, Jesus, he sets the people down. He says, this is how the kingdom works. God picked you, touched your life, brought you into his kingdom, and he began it to plant seeds. He began to speak to you, speak to me. He began to, you know, just throw it out there, just like he is right now. All over the church, throwing them out. Truth that would set you free. Revelation, understanding that God wants to see something come out of. Can you say amen? amen. God does his part, which is the next thing I'd like to look at. But we have a great responsibility. You see, we're responsible for the soil. The seed's the word of God. God's going to sow it, but it lands on this soil, and this is where our responsibility comes in. Because the seeds are being planted in our heart. Are you with me? We are responsible for the condition of our heart. And this is the whole point of that story Jesus has given. The whole thing about the parable, it has to do with the soil. It talks about our hearts, our condition, our attitude, how we respond to the seed. Your heart makes all the difference in the world. Whether you're hungry. You know, one of the big, one of the most... You know, if you've been raised up in church, I, my heart goes out to kids, not just kids, but people, young people, anybody who's been raised up in church all their life, you've heard it, you saw it, you went to a thousand church services, your mom, your dad made you go. All three of my kids were born in church. They were on the outreaches. Every time we moved and I took over another church, they were there, uh, six and Rampart. We're starting a church down there in, in L.A., and, and they're at the park, and here we are, man, and it's just us, and we're at a park trying to have a church service. They were there. They know about the things of God. And so what happens is, the reason I said my heart goes out to people who've been raised up in church, because you can get so used to it that you no longer respond to it. You get so used to it that you no longer respond the way that you should when God is speaking to you. You know, and it's, oh, it's just another church service. Oh, it's just the Bible. Oh, it's just somebody preaching. No. No matter how many times you heard it, it is still the word. It is still the seed that God is trying to plant in a person's life. And we got to be very careful that we don't get too familiar around the things of God that we just brush it off. Are you with me? Amen. We're responsible for the condition of our heart. There's a scripture in the Proverbs that says, it says to keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it comes the issues of life. You know what I mean? It's in here, our hearts. And the Bible says keep it with all diligence. It's like, it's like saying keep your heart in your hand and watch it. Watch for bitterness, watch for hatred, watch for unbelief, watch for doubt. Keep your heart with all diligence. Be careful about how you think. Be careful about how you feel. You know what I mean? You ever let your feelings just go wild? You know what I mean? You ever, you ever, you ever feel like you just have the right to F everybody off? Don't you? You know what I'm talking about? Just, man, that's it! And you're just going to let it rip, and you deserve it because you've been nice for so long. 
You've put up with stuff for so long, and now it's the time, baby. Oh, no, that's it. That's the last straw. Uh Uh-uh. You pushed the button. No, you didn't. Bam! We have to be careful about our hearts. We've got to be careful about what we think and what we feel. And, and the Bible tells us very clear, clearly to, be, to keep your heart with all diligence because every decision that you make will flow from the way that you think and the way that you feel in your heart and in your mind. Are you with me? Jesus broke it down. And he named some certain, you know, and I, I, I couldn't help as I'm reading this parable If he's saying this, then these must be the most common ways, the the most common soil conditions. I'm sure there's different variables and variances, but he's laying it out. He's saying, as as the sower sows these seeds, these are the kind of hearts that that the seeds would fall on. And this is the response. Let's take a look. He talked about the wayside. You know, sower went out, and he sowed some, and they fell on the wayside. And the wayside is the path between fields. It's the side. It's not actually where the good soil is. It's the path that the animals walked on. It's the path that the people walked on over and over again. You know, it's, it's, it's packed down. It's hard. It's dry. It's not tended to. And he says... A sower went out to sow and some seeds fell by the wayside. In other words, he says, that's a person's heart. He's talking about the hard heart. And, and, he, and, and what's, what gets me about this is that, you know, I, I was just thinking about people who get hard. You know, they're hard in life. People, you know, a good, a good part. You know, when you see homeless people, you know, I, I'm working in Hollywood. And in Hollywood, you got, I mean, there's... Hundreds and hundreds of people. I go to work at night, and so they're out there, and one guy got a mattress. There's a, there's a, there's a man who sleeps on a main intersection, almost like Hollywood and Vine, you know, or Sunset and Vine. He has a mattress, and I ain't talking about a single mattress. It's a double mattress, and he's there every day, covered up. I'm talking about when it's cold, when it's there, you know, and he ain't the only one down there. I can, I can almost see, in my mind, I can see every person that they're there all the time. He wasn't born like that. He wasn't born like that. That was somebody's son, somebody's brother, somebody's dad, somebody's uncle. Somewhere along the line, it got, he got himself to that point. Can you say amen? amen? When I see people on the streets and you see, like I said, down there, they also got, you know, the crackheads and the, the crackhead hoochies and all that kind of stuff, and they're down there, or tweakers, whatever you call them. Them girls down there or women, or whatever, they, they weren't born like that. That was somebody's daughter, somebody's mom, somebody's aunt, somebody's sister, you know? And I can't think, help but think about how life transpires and things come down. And, and some, you know, people, we curveballs and set heartaches and heartbreaks and stabs in the backs and misunderstandings and failures and dropouts, and, and we can go on and on, but, you know, life can make us hard. Life can make a person hard. 
And, and this is what Jesus is talking about. And he says the seed is, the seed is planted, man. The seeds go out there. It's like God says, I, I even care about the person with the hard heart. I care about everybody. I want some fruit from that person's life too. I'm not going to pass you up simply because uh, uh, you've been through a hard time and a rough time and nobody loves you. You've been kicked to the curb. God says, I'm after you too. I want things to come out of your life. Even, yeah, your, your trust was violated and, and, and someone ripped you off and you put your heart and your love into a person and they let you down. And because of that, now you're hard and you're mean and, and you're dried up. That's the problem is when you harden yourself, you get dry, you get brittle, you get and no matter what truth comes, no matter what is done, that seed never takes root. It never grows. In fact, Jesus says the devil swoops that seed up as quick as he can. That truth, God says, I love you. But because your heart is hard, you can't receive it. And the devil comes and takes that truth away. You can't hear it. Every good thing that God would want to do in your life is, is hard to grasp. You can hear it, but you really, it doesn't permeate your spirit. It doesn't touch your soul. Why? Because your heart is hard. I was thinking about this, and I, I could go off just on this one simple subject. There's another, you know something that makes people's hearts hard? is shame. You know that shame can do that? You know when, when a person, there's two, one of two reactions to shame. You know, when a person, you know, when you do something, you know, like I said, you experience something, there's a lifestyle that you're living, either, either that shame moves you to do right. You know, that's what happens. It's what we feel we've done wrong. It's, it's like something, it's like a filth that we feel when we, when we commit a, a, a sin and, and we do something. And it's either, either it will move us to say, you know, to get away from that thing. And then the other reaction is to harden ourselves so that we don't feel it. Come on now. It's like flip you, flip the church, flip God, flip everybody who makes me feel this way. It's my life. I can do what I want. And we harden ourselves. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you have to say. I don't care. And that's not even the whole point. Hmm. God says, I want some fruit from that person's life. I want to help them. I want to bless you. I want to give you, I want to, I want to show you what's up. I want to open your eyes. I want to touch your life. I want to love you. And so he's, he sows seeds of life and health and healing, and all, but you can't receive it. Why? Because of the hardness of your heart. The Holy Spirit is hoping that there would be some change here. And so he sows. But the devil is right there, too, and you and I got to decide. We got to take a good look at ourselves. Are we hard when it comes to the truth and the word of God? And next thing that soil that Jesus talked about, and just remember, he's sowing the seeds. And these different soils represent the condition of our heart. He says the next one was rocky soil. Some seeds fell among the rocky soil. And this is talking about, you know, this is the seed grew. It received the word a little bit, even celebrated in it, you know, was glad to be saved, you know, uh, you know, glad to have met Christ. This is a good thing. I'm on my way to heaven. But because they had no character, no depth, that the heat of the day came out, which is trials and tribulations and problems. And it says that the plant shriveled up. 
because there was no depth, no character. Everything was emotions and feelings. You know, this trips me out about church. You know, people can come to church and expect, you know, it cracks me up when people come to church and they, wanna, they, they just want a good feeling, a good experience, and a good program, and a, and a good this, and a good that. Or you give your life to God, and you're expecting everything to work out fine. And, 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 and this is the way, you, you know, like I said, you, you want the goosebumps. You want the, the go-go juice. You, you want the feelings and the emotions and the hype. You know, you come to a church, and, and we don't have lights and cameras and action. And, and you, like I said, you want, you want that. If you go to a church, it's got to be bling. It's got to be on. On YouTube, it's got to be a big-name preacher and pastor and a jam and worship service and ow! Because it's not, you have a hard time knowing what's up and living for God. Or you give your life to Christ, you make a decision, and then when temptation comes your way, you fold. When pressure from your family and friends come, you fold. When you go through a trial, you go through a rough time. I don't know if I can make it. What do you mean you don't know if you can make it? What did you do before you gave your life to Christ? But now, because you're going through a bad time, the temptation is to abandon Christ and go back into the loving arms of the devil in your jacked up life. No backbone. No character, no strength, no integrity, not able to keep your word. You said, Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me. I, I'm a mocker. I got problems. That's one of my issues. Lord, oh, God. You know, we're right? You know what I'm talking about, right? You come to the altar and snot and tears and I pray for you and everybody else comes and prays for you and it's great and it's good and we've got hope for you. Seeds have been planted. We have great expectations because we know the God that we serve. But simply because of some problems that are not fixed overnight in your life, man, you have a hard time trusting and believing and serving God. Right, come on now. Don't put your hand up. Just blink. God help us. We're so spoiled. We have to have spiritual backbone. We have to have character. We have to have strength within us. You know, we've made a decision. We know what's right. We can do this. I can be faithful to God. He's faithful to me. I can, I can serve, I can sacrifice, I can, I, like, you know what I mean? I, I can do these things, and, and this is what God is working in us. He wants us to be this way. We're so quick to quit when things don't go our way. I gave Jesus a chance. You gave Jesus a chance. That, that don't even sound right, does it? I gave Jesus a chance. <laughs> Never mind, I gotta stop. <clears throat> we have to have spiritual backbone and the choice that we made for God. And so the soil, the seed was planted. Did God want some fruit? Yes, he does. Does he believe in you? Yes, he does. Is there some hope for you? Yes, it is. And so he'll sow the seed. But we're responsible whether that seed will grow or not. Another thing I'd like to look at is the thorny ground. Because Jesus said some seeds as the sower went out to sow. 
He sowed it on the way, by the wayside. He sowed it on the rocky soil. And then he, rock, he, he did it in the thorny ground. Like I said, the ground where, like I said, and so the seed was there. It grew. It blossomed. But, but the weeds, the, the thorns, the weeds choked out the life of the seed. And what I like about this story is that Jesus explains it. He's not leaving it to me. He's not leaving it to Reggie Green to interpret. I can put my little opinions in there, but if you read it for yourself, he's explaining it very clearly. He says, I don't want you to miss anything on this. He says, this is the way it is. Verse 14, now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, got out and are choked with cares, riches and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. He names three things. He says, this seed is planted, and then it's choked out with cares, riches, and the pleasures of life. Man, cares. He says, imagine that. God's speaking to you, trying to work in your life, heal you, help you, deliver you, do something fresh in your life, give you a new direction. But he says, the cares, cares of this world can choke out what he's trying to do. Cares talk about worry. That's what that means, worry. Do you know the word worry literally means to choke? And when you're worried about something, how can you have faith if you're worrying? Faith means you believe. Faith means you have hope. Faith means you have patience. Faith means you're believing that God is going to meet your need and help you and do the thing that you're asking. Worry is the opposite. Worry steals your life. Worry chokes you. You can't even breathe. You're gasping for air. You don't know what to do, what decision to make. Why are you afraid to make decisions? Why? Because you're so worried. He says if you're worried about money and worried about this and worried about that, you're not going to be able to serve God properly. The thing that God is trying to do in your life will be hindered. It will be choked out. Uh, he'll give you a vision. He'll give you a dream. He'll speak to you. But, but worry's right there, choking out the life of God in you. And we think, some people now, religion will teach you. How many got them worrying grandmothers? You know what I mean? Them worrying mamas. And for some reason, you got this weird mindset that worrying makes you spiritual. Worrying makes you loving because you're worried about Miha and Miho and you, you, just, you just worried, you know, and what are they doing? Oh. Nothing spiritual about that. There's no confidence, no hope. I wouldn't want my, you want your kids raised up? Ooh, come on now. Let me back up just a little bit. No, let me go forward. You want your kids to see this? You know, kids imitate their parents. You're talking to them about the things of God, and yet they see you worry. What kind of God do you serve that you say he's a big God and he loves us, but you're always worried all the time as if he doesn't love us? Come on now. You pray and worry, worry and pray. It's like it cancels it out. That's what the Bible says. It just cancels it out. It just chokes the seed. Nothing's going to grow. There's not going to be any fruit in your life as long as you keep worrying. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. I'm just putting my twist on it. He says the cares. And then the other thing is the riches. 
and things and money. We just got to shine. We're in Southern California. Calabasas is over there. Hollywood's over there. We're in Southern, we're in Los Angeles. Everybody rolls and rolls deep. And if you don't, you got to look like it. You got to have it. You got to get it. No matter how you get it, you got to come up with it. Always worried. You got to have, you know, so you got to, you, you can't even afford it, but you got to make yourself look like you can. You got to keep doing it. You go through the motions. You prop yourself up. More, more concerned about how you look. You know what I mean? I don't care if you, listen to me. You put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. And what I'm talking about is a person with a pig heart. Come on now. If you ugly on the inside, you ever see a beautiful, ugly woman? They're, they're in abundance, believe me. Dude, be careful. I don't care how hot she is. She got this nasty little heart that's hard and insensitive, no care, no love, don't have a clue about the things of God, but she's hot. You need to run for your life because you'll be stuck with that thing if you get attached to it. Come on, somebody say amen. You ain't got to, don't worry. Great preaching, pastor. You are right. <laughs> I can tell myself. How about, how about the heart? So what I'm talking about is the heart. You know? The heart makes all the difference. You're so wrapped up in having. You, know, you got to have the car. You got to have the house. You got to have the look. You got to have it. Because you're not going to get any likes on Facebook. Do they still do likes on Facebook? Whatever you guys do on there. You got to have the most likes on Instagram or Facebook. And you got to look like you're here and look like you're there. And you're really, why don't you just be you? What's wrong with you? Is there anything wrong with you? The Bible says you are beautifully and wonderfully made. Every one of us. Every one of us. But you turn on Facebook or Instagram and you don't look like that person. And so now you're depressed and you got to go get injections, pump it up, cut it off, implant it. Welcome to Keeping It Real. Somebody told you to come and here you are. And, you know, shoot. and when I'm wrong, where's my stone at? Oh, never mind. That's in the back. If I'm wrong, stone me. But if I'm right, say amen. That's all. Riches, things, and money. Jesus said this, Matthew 16, verse 25. He says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What will it profit a man or a woman if they gain the whole world and yet loses their soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus is making it very clean. He said, what good is it if you... If you got one million likes, what good is it if that happens, if you got everything that you wanted and yet die and lose your soul? What does it profit? What does it profit? You know, like I said, talking about Kobe's death, you know, he didn't wake up this morning and say, I'm going to die. Nobody does. 
It's appointed, the Bible says it's appointed for us to live in it once, you know, it's a, forget the scripture at this point. <clears throat> I can translate it. We're all going to die in appointed time. We don't have a choice. We don't have an option. We don't know. Life is what it is. Death is indiscriminate in its choosing. It's no respecter of persons. Our responsibility is simply to be ready when it happens. And if I say be ready, what? Be right with God. Can you say amen? Be right with God. That's what the word of God challenged us to do. Prepare to meeting. We're just ready. We live, our, we live each day as if we're going to stand before him today. We live a life in the light of God. We make decisions. We treat each other. We treat each other, you know? You know what gets me about funerals sometimes? Is that a funeral, people are crying and wailing. And not just because the person is gone, but because they didn't see him. You know, if you ask me, it's like people, you should have been there when they were going through it. You know what I mean? When they're alive. When's the best time to tell a person that you love them? When they're alive. When's the best time to ask a person to forgive? Or when's the best time to forgive a person? Is when they're alive. Are you with me? It sounds too simple, doesn't it? Yeah, or told them about Jesus or what, when they're alive. Now that they, you know, they're gone and, oh, 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 you know, and falling out. The other thing is the pleasures of life. That one right there kind of got me. I, I mean, when I say got me, because I was trying to, I had to get in there and say, what are you talking about the pleasures of life? You know, Jesus, he's, you know, because Jesus said, right, he says that choke out the, the word, the seed, cares, riches, and the pleasures of life. The pleasures of life. And I, you know, there's things, I, like I said, there's things that I like, there's things that you like. Life is good. There's things we like to do. But it can get to the point where that's all we want to do is have a good time. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. You just party like there is, like it's 1999. Remember that one? Well, you just party until you just always want to have a good time. Every night in the club. Right? Because, ah, you know. Every day we're going to get high. Every day we're going to drink. Every day. I'm stepping on somebody's toes. I don't know what that is, but. We always want to eat good food. We want to always want to kick it. We always want to, where life itself is this, this great pursuit of having pleasure. You know what I mean? I went to the Bible to get a better translation. I said, let me, let me, I need help on this one because you have to have a balance. Like I said, because there's things, I like to eat good food. Don't get some crab legs in front of me, man. It's like, I'm going ballistic. But at the same time, it, okay, listen, in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, starting in verse 1, listen to me on this one. It says, I, this is, this Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon. Solomon was supposed to be the wisest man. The Bible says he's the wisest man ever to live. And 
his wisdom was intense, man. He, and, and when you read Ecclesiastes, it, it's like you can see he's putting his wisdom to the test. He said, I said in my heart, come now. I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? I search with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold of folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted them and all kinds of fruit trees. And he goes on to say, I got maid servants, men servants. He says, I did the wild thing. And he says, he says, and this is all vanity. It's all vain. All vain. And so what he's talking about is excess. He's talking about the pursuit of things simply for the pursuit thereof. And we can have this, this mindset, you know, like I said, where everything in life has got to be good and we've got to be comfortable. But remember, we're talking to Jesus explaining, he says, this, this can choke out the life of God in us. The seeds, if this is all that we want in life, we can totally miss life. We can totally miss it. Finally, the good soil. This is an easy one. This is an easy one, church. Verse 15 it says, but the one, the seeds that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and a good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Man, just simply, I, I've, listen, this is the truth. I've seen some jacked up people, totally messed up, come to church and start believing the word of God. Watch their life change. and They are nothing like they used to be. I talk about hoochies. I've seen hoochies converted. I've seen crackheads, meth heads, get it together and get on the right track and live the life that they are supposed to live. I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen people totally messed up and tore up drag themselves into church and I know and, and all that the spirit the spirit of God moved on them yes but a seed was planted and what was good about this person if you looked at them on the outside you couldn't tell but their hearts were right what did I mean by right 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 they, they were hungry it was truth their hearts was tender they were willing to repent. God, speak to me. You, you're all I got. You're all I know. This, I'm at my last place in life. God, you tell me something. Guess what? I'm going to do it. I, I've already did my thing. I've already did it my way. I've already rolled the dice, and it came up snake eyes on me every time. I, I've done things. I've said things. I've been things, and now look at me now. And so drag in and hear the word of God. And, and Yes. God loves me. You love me because nobody can stand me, Lord. But you love me, I'm going to take that and run with that. You forgive me for everything that I've ever done? Come on now. Are you, are you with me? The Bible tells us, here's a seed for you. I'm going to plant a seed. You ready? See if this one will grow. Jesus Christ died for sinners. 
for which you and I, at least I am, the chief of all sinners. That's what Paul said. I'm claiming it myself. We're all sinners. Jesus shed his blood so that we could be forgiven. Jesus, the blood of Christ, enables us to have relationship with God the Father. Jesus says, if you believe on me, he says, I am the door. You enter in and you'll go through, <laughs> you know. He's, Jesus, Jesus speaks of himself. He's the Lamb of God. He says, he says, I died in your place. Jesus, perfect, lived the life. He did everything that was supposed to be done for us vicariously. When he died, when he was crucified, he took our punishment. Every sin that we've ever committed, the, him on the cross, he's taken the punishment for our sin. Our sin, that's a seed. That's a, are you listening to me? The seed's being planted. It says, the Bible goes on to tell us that if we would believe that Jesus Christ died for us, that we would be saved. We would be forgiven of our sin. We could have a relationship with God. And when we die, we leave this planet, we go to heaven. Is that, is that deep? Heavy? Simple. We're talking about the grace and the love. How about this? The Bible tells us very clearly that God loves us. How many of you believe that? That God, no, no, no. I'm talking about when somebody loves you, when you know somebody loves you. Like I know my wife loves me, you know what I mean? She does, ah, she, ah, she loves me. I can wallow in that. You know what I mean by wallow is like you go. You know what I'm talking about? I feel good knowing that I'm loved by someone and God is greater than she is. You know, when you're loved by someone, there's confidence. When you're loved by someone, there's hope. There's, there, there's, there's security, you know what I mean? You, you love, you know, and God, the Bible says God loves us. He loves us. That's a seed. Are you going to let the devil swoop down and take that? Is that going on rocky soil? Is it going on the wayside? Is it going on the thorny ground? Or is it going into the good soil this afternoon? What are you going to do with this seed? The devil wants to swoop it up. Why don't you let it take root? Why don't you let it grow and bring forth fruit? Let your life be changed and transformed by the word of God. All you got to do is be willing to obey. God's word. God says your life will be changed and transformed. Are you with me? How many want to be forgiven of all? Just think with me. Put, you want to be forgiven of all you've ever done. How many want Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior? How many of you want to be part of the kingdom of God? Because in the kingdom of God and to you, it is given to know the mysteries of life. God says, I want you to know what's up. I want you to have a clue. Can you say amen? How about this? If you died right now, right now, listen to me. I'm being straight up. This is about as keeping it real as I can possibly be. If you died right now, where would you be in eternity? Where would you be? If you died right now, in eternity, where would you be? Because that, that's what it's all about. That's what salvation is all about. God wants you to be able to say, you know what? I'd be with Jesus. I'd be in heaven. Not, no. I, I would probably be in some better place. Flip the better place. I want to be with Jesus. 
confidently, 100%. When I die, that's what I got. I say, ah, you know what I mean? The Lord says, why should I let you into heaven? Because I'm with Jesus, that's all. I, I'm with him, I, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why I'm going to heaven, not because of anything else. Because I believed in him. I'm clinging to him, holding on to him. And if you don't let me in, that means you ain't letting him in. Because I, this, me and him is like this. Come on, church. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you for tuning into this week's message. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired. For more information about our church, visit kirchurch.com or follow us on Instagram at kirchurch.